Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back to The Legend of Portalcast, a podcast dedicated to discussion of Avatar The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra, and all things Avatar. Um, I am Colin, the main host, and uh, this week I am joined by Casey. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a little bit. How have you been since uh, since we last recorded? Uh, very good. Doing, doing the, I guess what you call the adult thing, which is being busy with things. Um, but just mostly a lot of art projects too. Um, and doing a lot of drawing illustration projects and just, uh, working. So I'm glad to be back. So it's been a while. So, but I've been itching and eager to get back into it. And, um, what's funny is that I, I uh, knew I was doing this tonight and I came home, like rushed home from work and I'm like winded and then I walk in the door and my boyfriend had set up the his projector and on the wall in our apartment, avatar clips of all like the funny moments from the series were playing. <laughs> Drop my bag on the floor and I was like, and he's sitting at my desk and I'm just like, oh, this is like perfect. He's like, I wanted to inspire you. And I'm like, I'm inspired watching Sokka act crazy on the screen. <laughs> uh, so That's was- incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So uh, today uh, we are going to be doing one of our character episodes, and we are talking all about Princess Yue. Um, so, uh, you know, we we're I was kind of thinking about different characters to talk about next, and um, I don't know. I just, I think that Yue is such an interesting character from a lot of different perspectives, and just someone who's only there for such a short time, but... Her impact is not only profound in the context of the episodes, but it has, I mean, world-changing impact. Um, and yeah. it's just so incredible. Um, so, but yeah, uh, so the first thing I want to kind of get into, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about um, Yue as a character and just kind of her name and some of the influences uh, that Mike and Brian were uh, kind of drawing from. So uh, Yue actually translates... Uh, into uh, Moon in Mandarin. Um, so that was kind of a direct nod um, immediately from the start that they wanted to do. Um, and a lot of kind of the influence of the story that they got, um, even though the details of the story are a little bit different from UA, um, they have definitely claimed to have a lot of influence with uh, Chinese mythology. And, um, and I apologize ahead of time for butchering any pronunciation here, but I believe it is um, Chang E. It's Chang with a, an apostrophe E. So I apologize for the butchering of that pronunciation. Um, but she has also gone by uh, Chang the Beautiful. Um, and it was actually, uh, interestingly enough, uh, was also the name of several uh, lunar rovers and lunar probes that uh, the Chinese uh, Space Division. All right, just I guess they're the Chinese uh, space department. I don't know what, because they don't have NASA. They don't have a cool well, they, like their their <laughs> space program. But this is fascinating because I did not know any of this. Yeah, so, so that's really amazing. Um, but what was really interesting is that like in 2007 they first they launched their first lunar probe, um, in the goddess's honor, and then they had another one in 2010 uh, and another in 2013. Um, it landed on the moon, but then it kind of had some issues and they lost contact with it. But they just recently on January 3rd of 2019, so a week ago, they actually landed um, the Chang'e 4 
Uh, and I was reading up about it. It has like uh, all of this, like the, the rover that they have deployed is supposed to do all kinds of work. But it, what's really interesting is that this rover, they landed on the far side of the moon. Um, so they are going to be doing a lot more. And they actually had to launch like a dedicated satellite to kind of be able to communicate uh, from the rover to the satellite back to kind of their command center. That is so cool. I'm surprised I haven't come across that because we're always checking like, you know, Psy News and stuff like that. And I, I, I'm going to have to look that up. That's really cool that they did that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely like a, a deep tradition. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, when in the uh, the story of Chang'e, there is uh, kind of a moment where she comes down to these um, these uh, archers, uh, this archer who's down there and uh, she comes down as described wearing like uh, flowing robes of white with uh, with like kind of a rainbow hue. And I mean, it's just you think about the robes that uh, UA dons at the end of her to her final appearance. And you can't help but think of that. And yeah, um, that's yeah. amazing. It's like exactly the description. of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just kind of like but with that, I wanted to kind of see um I don't know. What was it like um, for you, Casey, kind of revisiting UA as a character and seeing her now uh, just a little bit older and a little a little wiser? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, I I wanted to get on this discussion because I think um, she is such a strong character. And like you said, makes such a strong impact in such a short amount of time, which is good writing right there. Mm -hmm. Um, And which Avatar is just famous for. Um, But you know, she's a princess and we, you know, as someone who grew up with many different princess idols, it's funny. I, I, uh, I like hers a lot. Like uh, there's a, she, I, I, it makes me wish we had more time with her. Um, but I also like that the way that her arc kind of ended was really just a, a new sort of beginning anyway, because she still came back. Even she even came revisited us towards the end of the series as, you know, her new form and her, uh, the moon spirit. Um, and I just thought that's such a cool story arc because she's such a, she's sweet. She's very smart. Um, she like, and, and even though she's, she's very loyal to, um, she's very loyal to her family and to her duties as the princess, but she, um, just, just kind of had this extreme, um, intellect and bravery throughout the entire thing that just was very much unique to her, mm-hmm. um, and made her, they had to kind of set her apart, um, in, in that, in those last two um, episodes of, uh, season one, um, because she was a love interest with Sokka, um, but also because she was really the pivotal, um, part of, of saving that, you know, the, the water tribe. And so they needed to make us really like her right away. And they, they succeeded. She was just so cool. And her hair is cool. And she just looks cool. And I just remember as watching it the, for the first time, just, just thinking that like, she's, she's beautiful and she's, she's a cool looking princess. She's not just tip. She's, she's typical in the sense she's beautiful, but she's atypical because she's just so smart, unique, and just, you know, just has a whole different world in terms of being a princess. It's not some kind of castle situation. She's got like duties and, you know, she's kind of a just very, very strong willed, you know, young lady. So I always thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. And her spirit later on is just even cooler. So, (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. It kind of works. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool because we get to really see UA through kind of a lens of uh, through Sokka um, because, you know, obviously we do see her interact with Aang and Katara at times, but, you know, so many of the scenes that we do get with her are, you know, kind of this budding relationship with her and Sokka. Yeah. And it's it's such a great classic tale of, you know, Here's, you know, Sokka who just kind of, you know, grew up in a very like small, very humble tribe in the Southern Water Tribe with not a lot there. And, you know, she is here, the princess of this beautiful, elaborate Northern Water Tribe that, you know, we as the viewers have been introduced to with this beautiful like snow wall snow and ice wall and all of the different like kind of locks and canals that are leading up to kind of the palace and everything but you know there's she isn't she doesn't have this kind of aloofness or above it all kind of personality it's just she is very grounded and is giving Sokka that kind of time of day and you know they have uh, pretty quickly a connection <laughs> yeah, very quickly. <laughs> like sort of like lo- like literally like like sort of like a one of those love at first sight type things and um and it really it becomes partially his story too because with all the characters who watch through these arcs and throughout the series then mature. That was one of the greatest things about Avatar. It's a it's one of, I love coming of age stories. I love things like that. Um and watching him kind of grow this definitely changed him mm-hmm. um watching what she did um and her actions and how uh, again how brave she was in in the situation she was in and and facing he faced conflict and uh, you know just it, it's just it was such a grown-up episode as a kid watching it um again they they just totally kind of pulled you in and you just felt for everybody and you could relate and it was it was so cool. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's, uh, you know, obviously we we get to hear a little bit about kind of, you know, her backstory um, a little bit later on in the episode. But our, our first introduction to her is uh, when they are celebrating her 16th birthday. So it is kind of this very like momentous occasion in terms of, you know, that can be, cons- you know, across many cultures, 16 is, you know, considered sometimes this kind of coming of age and, you know, a couple different senses. But obviously this is, you know, there is this sense that this is when she is really kind of becoming a full-fledged princess in terms of, you know, assuming more responsibilities. But we quickly learn that it's also when she is to be married, mm-hmm. um, which is, it's interesting because, you know, there it's, it also kind of gives us an insight into this world and, you know, where things are because, you know, on one end of the thing, she's 16 and she's, being forced to marry, which, you know, in our day and age is just like, okay, that's a little oppressive. Like, you know, come on yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fun. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm thinking I'm, I'm doing a comparison in my head. Remember, I mean, little mermaid, for example, Ariel was 16 in that. Mm-hmm, true. No one was forcing her to get married, but a lot of those, 
and you notice, you know, as times get, you know, this could be a whole other topic, but as, as, as years progress, they're a little bit older when they start to think about doing that. Um, but Avatar is about uh, a different world and um, playing on different times and different cultures. So even like as my, I, I was in high school when I saw this, um, I understood that when you turn a certain age, like 16 is still a pretty considered a very big age, even in our culture. This is with, with young women anyway, that's why they have a sweet 16. I certainly did not do the extravagant thing that you do. <laughs> um, uh, I literally just wanted to go off with my friends and we just went to the beach and that was it. But, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Cause it's like, usually you're getting your license and you're getting the car and you're getting more. So it, you are taking on more responsibility. So this is a kind of like, I, when I could, like, I understood that in a weird way, like, happening. Um, but, yeah, it's a big, but for that sort of uh, situation, um, living in, in that kind of terrain and, and the kind of people that, that are going to be, um, um, like, what they're going to be looking to the people in charge. So they're going to see her as uh, an adult at this point. So Yeah, and I, I mean, we're also, they're also in a time of war, too, which I think is also, like, the really fascinating part is that she grew up while this war is happening. Yeah, that's and, right. That's you know, right. it's the knowledge of, like, you know, they even say, like, we haven't had contact with our sister tribe in, like, who knows how long. And it's just, yeah. like, the fact that these two these two tribes that were once, you know, connected and, you know, shared cultural, you know, traditions and everything, they've been separated. And you talk about feeling isolated. Obviously the fire nation hasn't really done much to attack them because, you know, the water can take care of fire in a lot of different ways. (laughs) So, you know, they, and it's not like, what, what are they going to gain from kind of conquering the, like the Northern water tribe? And, you know, it's like, whereas like the Earth Kingdom, there's land, they can kind of settle there. But it's like, in order to settle in the North Pole, you need waterbenders. You can't really, you know, bring firebenders up there and, you know, actually live or anything. So it's it's this idea of like, you know, here's a culture and uh, in a society that has just kind of been, you know, isolated from the war a little bit, but still very protective. I mean, when, you know, Aang and Katara and Sokka, are riding in on Appa, they, I mean, they get like ambushed by like waterbenders, <laughs> you know, as they're like yeah. coming in. Cause it's like, they, yeah. they're protecting their borders and that's the kind of responsibilities that she is also going to have to adopt and is kind of also preparing for. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I remember, it's funny that you said that because I remember thinking when at sometimes I was like, okay, I get the, I'm like, okay, you, I, I get you being very dutiful and very loyal and very blah, 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 but like your feelings, but when you put it that way and I thought you think about it, it's like, well, it's a lot to deal with and it's wartime. So I can, I get it. She's like, she's also worried about him, uh, Sokka. And she's worried about how it, she's, she can't, it's almost like, um, it's forget forgive the uh, comparison, but it's sort of the Jedi Sith thing. You can't let your emotions really control you. So if there's mm. something really big like that going on, she's trying to do the honorable thing by like fighting it, which yeah. is really tough for a 16 year old girl. Like, yeah, know? very. She's very much beyond her years. And I, yeah, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
very wise, very, you know, and she sounds young and she said, but she's like, so beyond it. She, she gets it. She gets what's going on. She gets what's coming. Um, and even when Sokka doesn't, you know, so it's, Mm. it's really, really interesting. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, it's incredible because, you know, even though you can tell that she is wrapped up in those responsibilities, there's that beautiful moment where, you know, Sokka, uh, you know, they, they go on a couple of like these different dates and everything. There's kind of like a lot of back and forth. And we find out that um, Han has uh, crafted her a betrothal necklace, kind of crushing uh, Sokka's spirits and his uh, carving of uh, the fish. <laughs> She's so sweet to be like, oh, it's nice. And it's like the ugliest thing like you can ever it's see. It's a bear. <laughs> it's a fish (laughs) it doesn't help that she's betrothed to the biggest jerk oh i know (laughs) in the northern like he's such a you know if they had made him kind of nice it would have been like even a little more difficult because it's like oh i feel bad but like he's such a jerk i'm like he and he know and he's just like and he doesn't even care about like it's that 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 kind of character you're just like okay i want to punch you in the face yeah (laughs) Well, and it's, you know, I think it's it's interesting because, you know, a lot of times Mike and Brian don't create uh, kind of singular characters like that. They all, all, so many of their characters are very well-rounded, but when they, when, when there is not really enough time for a particular character to have that well-roundedness, mm-hmm. they really lean into that kind of singular archetypical uh, like like character trope. And that yeah. is such with Han, where he is the just atypical like jerk who is so egotistical and so full of himself. And it's yeah. just like, well, this is like, I know how to go and, uh, you know, fight <laughs> off these Fire Nation guys. And it's just like, Sokka's like, that's not even the armor they wear, you idiot. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That, that armor is a bit dated. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah no, I get that. It, it, and it actually just, like, it, yeah, it was a good vehicle for the amount of time that they had, they had to kind of push it a little bit. But even then, it didn't, like, they did that so well, it didn't feel forced. It was just sort of like, it was more like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. It makes, it, that's the kind of stuff that does happen in life where it's like, oh, if we just, when it rains, it pours. So if he's not, if, if he's not sad enough, She's betrothed to this, 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 it just seems like that was, that would be something that would happen. <laughs> yeah. And, you <laughs> like, know, because they also know where UA's trajectory goes as a character, I think it makes sense to have someone like that because honestly, like after he like ambushes Zhao and then just gets so like, like easily handed, like off the, off the boat, that's the last that we see of him. And because, you know, honestly, that is all we needed to see. Because, you know, when Yue kind of gives herself up to become the moon spirit, you know, that this whole story, it was never truly about her relationship to, like, any individual man. It is more about her duty and what she was going to have to sacrifice. Right, right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, that's, that's so true. It's not even, she wasn't, like, tied to any one person. Not even Sokka. It was more about her arc as a as becoming an adult and what that meant for her and her duty was diff- very different than what anybody else thought thought was going to be yeah. um and yet at the same time i remember her father and um saying that he he knew that this was that this was going to happen at some point that 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 the moon gave her life and that she owed it to the moon and that they they 
they might need it back. They might need her help. Yeah. And he kind of, so he, even him and his sadness understood that this was kind of what her destiny was. It's funny that like in that, um, he knew it. I wondered, did she know it? Cause she seemed to know it when it was happening. I'm saying, I wonder if she knew at some point in her life, like growing up that, you know, she, she, it seems like she did know she had some knowledge that it was possible that something like this would happen or it, it, there would be some kind of pivotal moment where she'd have to go back. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's the one thing I'm curious about. Cause I, she was so very aware in an instant in, in one moment where she had to decide, this is what I have to do. Mm. Um, there wasn't any hesitation. There was barely any emotion. I think the only emotion was that she felt bad that she was making Sokka so sad. Yeah. And she cares about him. But aside from that, no attachment to anybody or anything else. It was more like, this is what I got to do. Just, you know, so that's something I wondered about. <laughs> well, I, I, I do. I want to. Well, so let, let's let's keep that in mind, because I, I do want to get into that. But before we kind of get more to the end of uh, that kind of arc with UA, I, I do want to kind of go back and circle back to this um this point in time where she is going on these dates with Sokka and you know the <laughs> fact that we have of course it is like funny and everything do an activity together <laughs> that's, that's what they called it yeah but do you you, get together and do an activity but it's so incredible because you know we have UA who is so honor bound and so just loyal and dutiful towards her tribe but to see her have fun and yeah. enjoy just hanging out with Sokka and just when they go up on Appa together, it's such a beautiful mm-hmm. moment because yeah. you can just, it, it is such a classic trope of a character who is like so, you know, either busy or so like laden with responsibility that when they finally get to open up, it is just such a like relief and a beautiful moment because you get to see you get to see kind of underneath that hard shell or in UA's case, I think just this, not necessarily a hard shell, but like a, like a dutiful shell. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) A dutiful shell. No, that's so true. That's, and that's actually a very good, uh, great moment because it gets to, you get to, it it allows the viewers to see how warm she is too. In in terms of like, she's still, reminder, she's still a kid she's got duties and then it's like let's have some fun i mean it's sort of like she needed that you know she to hear her kind of laugh and 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 like Sokka was the only person that really made her laugh like when those kids showed up it was just sort of like her whole you know it was sort of like it was such a different experience because again like you said she was sort of like raised during wartime and 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 bound with these duties and and was very you know again very glad to do them she wasn't it wasn't like she was caged and like you know one of those princesses up in a tower kind of thing it was more like she's just a very responsible human being but she needed to balance that out a bit with some fun and and that's why i think she was so attracted to Sokka mm-hmm. because there was just such a he kind of gave her that balance of like hey i'm i'm with you and this is fun and and you know it's want to show you a good time kind of thing and it's just like that's what a that's what a first date should be right (laughs) (laughs) that's like a such a sweet moment and she and then she kind of takes it too it's not him just doing it and then she understands what's going on she's still like smart enough to understand and she like snuggles up closer to him and it's just like 
she kind of just goes with it. She understands what's going on. It's not like just, oh my God, this is amazing. It's like, oh, I see. This is really sweet of you to do that. And I, and, and, like, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you. And that was like, that was a sweet moment too, where they're like, you know, like, oh, it's cold up here. And she like snuggles closer to him. And mm-hmm. I thought that was like so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <I was> like, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously, and, and it's so great because that moment is just such a great, <laughs> and then it just turns on such a dime because as they're up there, that's when they start, that's when they see the soot falling right. from the sky. And right. suddenly this, like the fun loving Sokka is getting deathly serious Yep. because yep. he knows what that, what that is. And it's like, he saw what the fire what the fire nation did to his village and did to the southern water tribe and now he has seen like this incredible you know northern water tribe and now he has this deep connection now with UA and it's like it is it is so profound and he you can just tell it's just like no no we this can't happen here <laughs> <laughs> The switch goes off in his head, which is, again, really, uh, he's such a great character. I feel like we should do a whole discussion. We could do, like, several episodes on Sokka uh, (laughs) because he's, like, he's so, he's got to be. I mean, he's one of the the main characters, but he's so well-developed in that, like, you need every, every successful series, show, movie, whatever, has to have some kind of comic relief. I mean, Aang is pretty funny, too, but and, uh, and the animals are, of course, and Momo and everything. But, like, he's the smart Alec kind of thing. But he's actually, he was the main warrior in his tribe after their dad left. So he has a lot of great ideas and, and is very smart, too, and very clever. And, like, and that... And you see that kind of kick in, like you said, in that moment, he can go from funny and sweet to like, oh, no, like this is something we have to deal with now. And um, and and he, he proves himself, too. He's willing to like do whatever it takes because he's he, he's been there before. This is completely new to like, to someone like UA. Mm-hmm. They've never been attacked like this. This is like he's like, no, I've been there. This is this is something we got to This is serious. This is going to be bad. Um, so yeah, it's just, it, it was kind of the perfect, that perfect moment where it's like, it was from sheer bliss to like, ah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and then of course the invasion happens, um, and, uh, UA is the one who leads Aang to the spirit oasis. Um, and again, it's showing just how, you know, she is deeply connected to uh, her culture, to the spirits. And the thing is, too, is that, um, and sorry, really quick, have you seen season two of Korra or any of Korra? Yeah. Okay. So, because I just wanted to make sure before I kind of brought that in. Um, so, and uh, this is, and just in case folks have not seen um, Legend of Korra, uh, I will put in a note here in the episode when you can kind of hop back in, but there's just a little spoiler here in terms of this discussion. Hey 
everyone. Uh, thanks so much for listening into the 11th episode of Legend of Portalcast. I uh, just wanted to, again, thank you so much for all of the wonderful support uh, that you guys have been sharing with us. Um, just be on the lookout for next week. We're going to be launching our YouTube channel. Um, so if you prefer to listen to your podcast on YouTube, you'll be able to find us there and uh, listen to the podcast there. Uh, We'll also be releasing some video content later this year as well. So uh, if you are interested, go ahead and smash that subscribe button. Uh, Oh, wow. That was real fun. Um, (laughs) But uh, we're just super thrilled uh, to be going into this new year with tons of Avatar content to talk about. And remember, if you have any comments or questions about the show, uh, feel free to reach out to us on social media. Um, And if you have any suggestions for topics you'd like to hear, Email us at legendofportalcast at gmail.com. So just a quick note about the Legend of Korra mild spoiler. Um, If you just skip ahead 30 seconds after the uh, break here, then you'll be all good to go. Uh, But in the meantime, thanks so much for listening and enjoy the rest of the episode. Bye, guys. What's really interesting is that the spirit oasis that UA brings Sokka to is it's essentially the exact same oasis that Juan meets all of the spirits in um, the Avatar Beginnings episodes in Book Two of Korra. Huh. That's amazing. How do you realize that? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is, it is like, I mean, in terms of design, it is so starkly similar and whether or not it is the same one or that it, this one was crafted in kind of in honor of that. This is some, this is a place that clearly has deep, deep spiritual meaning, not only to, you know, the Northern water tribe, but I would say to the entire world. And Obviously, this is where the moon and the ocean spirits live, so it is like incredibly important and incredibly sacred. Um, And just, you know, UA knowing like, okay, this is what we need to do. If the Avatar is going to do this, this is where I need to take him. You know, again, she is someone, even though there's an invasion happening, she knows what to do. And she is kind of pulling on that knowledge. She, She is not you know, the character who's being like, oh, woe is me, there's an invasion, I can't believe my home is being invaded, this is so sad. You don't see her doing that. She's just like, all right, what do we need to do? Yeah, unwavering. She's almost like the way Sokka is with, like, battle. She's in, she's, that's interesting you said it, because she's like, her and Aang have a spiritual understanding. Katara, or they don't really get it. When when he knows what Aang, she understood what Aang needed to do immediately. Like, I'm taking you here. This is where you got to go. I know exactly where you got to go. She, Like you said, she's already tied to that. She understands that not only is that sacred and they need to protect that, but that's the, this is key to for the Avatar um, himself to, to help out and to be a part of as well. So that's like, that was just so cool too because she's, again, like you said, she didn't get upset. She's worried, obviously, as they all are, but not like... Like you said, like I just this damsel in distress, not at all. She's just she just went, she just knew like, like, let's go here, you know. So, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she leads him there. And then um, it's actually it's it's uh, in terms of like character design. I also love that we get to see UA like out of her um, like big like <laughs> overcoat. And, like, we actually get to see her, like, in more of kind of, like, the, 
like more out and about robes, like what Katara wears. And there is that beautiful yeah. moment. It is so funny when Momo yeah. is pawing at the, at the koi fish in the water and it just goes up to Katara and Yue and they are just like looking at him with like, really, really Momo? <laughs> Face. Those are the faces I thought that when you said we were going to talk, be talking about you, I, those, that's the first image that popped into my head. I'm not even joking. I was like that face with her and guitar going, uh-huh. What are you doing right now? <laughs> are you really touching that? Are you really trying to do that? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was so funny. That's so funny. And you're right. It was cool to see that because I was wondering the same thing. They're all wearing these bulky, like, cool. they're great, awesome you know, I love all the designs of all the clothing of all the tribes and all the different, you know, areas. It's just, they, again, so much detail into it. But yeah, it's, it's cool to see, like, this is their take on these robes and this is what they look like in their everyday um, uh, gear, if you will. So, yeah, I thought that was really cool, too. That, again, not only are the characters layered in terms of their personality, but also <laughs> right down to the actual clothing that they're wearing. They think about all of this. And I just... I notice little details like that as an illustrator too. It's just like I, I, what they just put into it is just awesome. Mm. And it's a little bit different. It's like, it's, it's got some similarities to guitar stuff, but, but also their own. And she's a princess too. So it had to be a little bit different. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously it, it, it leads to this, um, you know, the, this scene where Ang goes into the spirit world and we have that whole journey, which is incredible. And, uh, you know, this is also where we get to hear a little bit more of UA's backstory. Mm. Um, and we get to hear about what happened when she, you know, was a child and how when she was born with this unknown illness uh, as an infant and she was like still and quiet. And that was when they, uh, her father prayed to the moon spirit. And that's when he placed her in the spirit oasis and the moon spirit gifted her with part of its own life force. Um, Of course, turning her hair white and kind of uh, and her parents naming her UA for the moon. Um, And, you know, it's, it's just this, you can, you can feel it. It feels mythical. And when she is like sharing that story too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And it's, it's in at that moment, you, you felt the foreshadowing. You felt like, oh, this is going to be big. Something's mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah. She, you realize even more how pivotal she is yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, you know, we kind of get a little bit of that. And then, of course, uh, you know, Zuko shows up. There's the fight there with Katara. Um, and, uh, but really where UA kind of really comes back into all of this is when Zhao comes in. Yeah. And honestly, I mean the 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 book one finale is I it's like one of my favorites in terms of like just end of season arcs um and I have a lot of like villains that I love in both uh, Avatar and Korra, but mm-hmm. I just I've always had a very like a like a favorite like just spot for Zhao because oh, every, he I is Everybody does. I think it's stupid enough to. No, I, I was just thinking, we should do a episode now. Um, oh, he's so good. Jason Isaacs is so good oh, at Oh, gosh, yeah. 
too. I mean, I, I forget it's him because he's British. So I'm just sort of like, oh, Lucius Malfoy. There you go. Another classic. It's like he's he's so good at making you just hate love him. And uh, it was perfect for Zhao. Zhao is just like, I think he scares me more than I'm with you. Uh, he does. But he frightened me, I think, more than even in Korra, more than some of the, some of the other um, quote unquote villains, if you will. Um, I He just had this. I don't know what it even was, but I think it just was like this streak about him where it's just like, no, he's just in it, in it to be, to be, to be just for him mm-hmm. and to be bad. And that's like, and just, that's it. He, you're not going to change his mind. I wouldn't cross his path. It's like, <laughs> he's got no, um, there's not a, a, a speck of, of empathy at all yeah. in his body. And, yeah. and, and, and in that vein, too, um, so the, the voice actress for UA um, is uh, Johanna Brady. Um, she uh, she actually, uh, she was known for uh, some of her work in, uh, she was in Video Game High School in 2012. She was also in uh, Paranormal Activity 3 in 2011. Um, she's been in, like, a ton of different, uh, like, uh, like TV series, um, some movies, and uh, also just like some online stuff as well. As uh, and she's done, she's done some voice acting, but really, like this has been her like this was kind of her main foray into it. Uh, yeah. She didn't really like do a lot. Like she did another. Uh, she was in Surfs Up, uh, where she did voice work, but oh. for the. Uh, but for the most part, she this was really one of the only other times that she did voice work. Um, oh. And but the thing is, though, I mean, she she does such a great job of conveying yeah. a, such a dynamic character, yeah. um, uh, which I thought was just really interesting. That's so cool. Yeah, I had no idea. Wow, that's really awesome. Um, that's really, she's such a good job. <laughs> um, so obviously, when Zhao comes in. Um, I mean, there's that whole incredible scene of, you know, he takes the moon spirit, he takes uh, the moon spirit uh, and taking it up in the bag and then everything turns red. And again, it's that moment of like, you know, we had the story of UA and there was just this foreshadowing of just things are going to get really, really intense. And then when Zhao does that, everything is just is heightened and it has one of the one of my favorite iroh moments of all time when iroh tells him he's just like whatever you do to that spirit i'll unleash on you tenfold put the spirit down oh my god it's like he was like whoa like that's that that was a real uh like you said like a perfect that was a great iroh moment because again he's he's I mean, it's truly one of the first moments that we see Iroh like unhinged and like so unbelievably serious and angry. Yeah, yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah, that and also that he's not all about the Fire Nation, that he's about just he's kind of a realist in the sense of, no, this is going to affect everybody. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah, you know. It's like, and and that's that's the whole thing with this the the spirit oasis again. it, It isn't just like a Northern water tribe thing. This is something that is like, it's deeper on such a, on such a huge level. And it, that, that's where it really kind of gets into everything like with the spirits and the role of the spirits, uh, 
in the Avatar universe because they are linked to the world in a in a very profound way. Um, and so obviously Zhao uh, puts the moon spirit back in, but then he he kills it and everything turns black and white. That was just... Oh, it was such a cool effect, but... I'm flashbacks, and, and even as an animation choice, it was so effective. First the red, which is freaking scary, and then just no color except um, UA's eyes. Yeah, UA's eyes, and then the firebending that, like, Iroh and... Uh, that he shoots out, but then eventually the fight with uh, Zhao and Zuko. But, but yeah, like, UA's eyes standing out like that is just... It is... It, it just, it's so, it's so potent. And yeah. when Iroh looks over to her and he says, you have been touched by the moon spirit. And he knew, he knew that Iroh's amazing. Like he yeah. knew, it's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, and then it's like, it's in this moment that we, you know, we, we see UA at, all of the culmination of all of her character growth just in this short time that we've seen her and just what we have known about her being loyal and dutiful. And th- I mean, this is something that it's just like, she, d- she takes kind of that pride in duty. And mm-hmm. now she sees this as like, not only am I like going to, not only am I going to save like the water tribe, but like, this is like going to, this is going to save everything by doing this. And like that it is, it is this moment of just like, she, she understands that sacrifice and she knows what she has to do. But of course, you know, she has the empathy and understanding to know that it's going to, it's going to crush Sokka and her father. And, you know, she still feels that. And there's still that emotion there. And it's what makes it, it's such a beautifully tragic moment. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they they do it, and they don't, and and it's just enough where they don't. She's yeah, she's filled with this this uh, this incredible sadness. But like you're saying, it's not a woe is me thing. It's more like, um, I understand what I need to do, and she's she's just so she's crushed by it, but she accepts it immediately. It's such a again a very adult thing. You know, I don't actually don't know many adults that could do that. So it's like, mm-hmm. she just immediately accepts it. Um, Especially at 16. I mean, it's just like, you know, to have that, like, again, she is just so beyond her years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's so funny. Um, when I saw that, this is going to sound weird. I, I've had similar moments in my life that are like that not quite the same i'm not saving the world (laughs) but you know when you're faced with a situation where it's like you almost can't be emotional about it you'd understand there's no other way that it can be that this is the way to to do it um and and understanding that acceptance and it's very it's so it's so clear that she she just that's why she it's like she doesn't even think twice yeah she just have to um and it's not, and it's not in her character either. You know, she's like, she's, she's just so sure. And like, it's, and that's what almost makes it more heartbreaking. because She also understands what, what that means. You know, it's not like she's being cold. 
and not like she's being overly emotional. It's just that sort of like she understands and this is going to hurt uh, people, but she also knows it's going to help them. It would hurt more if she didn't do it. That's the most loving thing that she could do. And it's, it's so beautiful. It is a beautiful moment. Very, very sad. I remember I, I cried. Mm-hmm, same. I cried when I saw it. And I, I saw it when I watched it with Chris because he had never seen it. Um, it. We just sat there and I started tearing up again. And he was just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, mm. it's, it's a heavy, loaded moment for, again, for a Nickelodeon show. Very groundbreaking. Just yeah. And, and I mean, it's just like, you know, and we also we get to see the gravity of the sacrifice and it just, you know, with how everything kind of turns around. And, you know, just before this, when, you know, after uh, the moon spirit has died and we see like, you know, Aang kind of transforms into, you know, this uh, giant koi fish ocean spirit and is like kind of going through there and then suddenly ua makes the sacrifice and like you know this moment of just terrible destruction even though it is against the fire nation who is invading but like you know let's let's kind of (laughs) face facts with facts with this he is like he has become something that is like it is beyond anything that any of these people have ever seen and have for the fire nation ever had to fight against and you know and now with UA's sacrifice, this kind of anger and rage has been quelled and now kind of balance has been restored in this in this moment. And it's just it is such a beautiful moment with her kind of doing this. And then the goodbye that she has to Sokka. Oh my gosh. Oh. No. <laughs> oh, it's like uh it's perfect. It, it at least it it I'm sitting there going, uh closure but mm, gosh it, it just ugh, it sucks <laughs> yeah and, and again it kind of like what you were saying earlier i mean it's just like th- this is something so intense for Sokka to go through too yeah i mean yeah. he he has like obviously like he made a connection with suki earlier on in the season and everything but like you really get the sense that like what he shared with ua was something so much deeper because again, they came from similar cultural backgrounds. Even though yeah. she was in the Northern Water Tribe, they're still Water Tribe, and yeah. like to have that connection, and the fact that she wasn't a bender, and you know that he was able to kind of make that connection with her, that he was able to make her laugh, and they were able to share those very special moments together. Yeah. It's it's just it's very profound, and yeah. and it's just so sad, but again it makes Sokka such such an even more interesting and well-rounded character because of it yeah he uh, he grows yeah I uh it's it's so it's so great to see him in in all his all his moments and what just hits like I said his arc is is just just as interesting as anybody else's uh, of of the main you know the main characters and it's and, and and it's unique you know, even though they all go, th- go through a coming of age thing, it, each each character's story is unique and and re- and still relatable in some way in terms of what we understand. And um, uh, it's it's and it's funny to think about because we're not going around falling in love with moon spirits and and whatnot. So it's <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a normal thing, but that feeling of just sort of like I think he 
just like her father was saying, she he was really proud, but but very sad, but proud. And oh gosh, that that broke me even more. But I think Sokka, I, I'm sure he feels the same way. He understood that too. I, I think he knows that he would have done the same thing, even though he was trying to stop her. He's like, I'm supposed to protect you. I'm supposed to protect you. He lets her go. Uh, I mean, she wasn't going to stop him, uh, let him, let her you know, stop. But like at the same time, I think he, 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 I think he must have understood. Yeah. There's, there's a definite level of trust there that they developed in, in the, in that short window of time where they were able to connect, like you were saying, um, that she's, she means business and she knows what she's talking about. And, and I mean, again, it, it is, it, she did a very brave thing that yeah. saved everybody. I'll tell you what, because I just I want to give just kind of a nod to um, especially uh, her. So her father, Arnook, um, he was voiced by he he, one of my favorite character actors of all time, uh, John Polito. Um, Now, have you ever seen um, uh, Miller's Crossing by the Coen brothers? Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. (laughs) So he was he was the one in Miller's Crossing. He's like, let me tell you about ethics. And he's yeah. like kind of like the he's like the one of the main like kind of like gangsters in there. But, familiar. And, but the thing is, is like that he is he has two lines in um that kind of whole uh, end of end of season arc. Um mm-hmm. the, the first one is when he's standing with Aang before the battle and he's just like he's like the quiet breath before the plunge. Mm-hmm. Like before the battle. And it's just like that and then just the the sadness and dynamic range of his like vocal performance for that last line oh man of just these like i knew i knew that she would become the moon spirit it's just oh man and the thing is we also we don't see ua's mother so we also are presuming that ua's mother has passed away right. and it's just like yeah oh what Crush. a just deeply crushing and profound moment but it's just like and Aang saying, it's like, you must be so proud. I am. And so sad. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I actually, I think, what did, was it Sokka? I think Sokka said that. I think it, that's why I'm thinking, mm-hmm. because he, he, that's what I'm, he understood. He's like, you must be proud. Because yeah. he understood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was, she was being a warrior. You know, she was in in her own right, like you know, talking about them all protecting their tribe and fighting and and willing to give their life. I mean, Sokka was like that with with his tribe too, and she just did this. She just did this. I'm doing this. I'm 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 knowingly giving up my life. You know, you go into battle, you think, okay, it's possible you might die. It's possible you might not, and you're just fighting. She's going into it without a fight and just saying, this is something I got to do, and it's just like she saved everybody. So yeah, they, it's cool that they had a connection too. You could tell that Arnook really liked Sokka too, more so than Han. Yeah. Where he was, I want you to protect her. Yeah. Right. Pardon my daughter. You know, um, he knew that, uh, Sokka like, you know, was, was sharp and keen and could, and cared and could understand. And, and, uh, I, I just thought that was really so yeah, that made it even more heartbreaking though when they shared that kind of moment where it was like sweet but like so sad and just like he looked so sad. <laughs> it was yeah. just uh and, and what's what's really interesting too is like, you know, it, you talk about ramifications. Again, she becomes the moon spirit, but then also because because she also dies 
We don't know who necessarily becomes the successor in the Northern Water Tribe. Ooh. And what that leads to is eventually Unalak becoming the chief of the Northern Water Tribe. Interesting. And everything that happens in book two, Spirits of Korra. So, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's again, it is like it is the use of like Mike and Brian using the Avatar universe and saying like, you know, there are certain things that have monumental consequences, not only just in the moment, but like years and decades down the road. Definitely. That's mm-hmm. I, again, that's amazing. I didn't, I get, I don't, I, cause core takes place what 70 years. Mm-hmm. After, yep. And it's like, it's a perfect amount of time too. It's not a hundred. It's not like a full century. It's still a significant amount of time though, for things to change. Uh, politically, socially, culturally, um, but still fairly kind of like getting there. So that's like really profound. That's, that's, that's insane. And, and it, that, again, like you're saying, perfect use. They're, they're so, they make such good use of their universe and, and, and make it feel more real. Like you're saying, like it's, it's, it, you know, a story where just like, and then this happened and then kind of plateauing after that. It doesn't work that way. There's yeah. always some kind of consequence. I mean, and I like stories that do that. I, I that's why, again, I, I gravitate towards something like Game of Thrones or something like that, where it's like you choose to do something and it sounds all good and fun, but there's not everybody's going to agree with that or it's not going to go over smoothly and it's going to cause ripple effects. That's the lesson to teach. And, and, and they are so good at not, for, like they don't neglect a single part of that. The mm-hmm. fact that they were, it's like, it's like, I mean, were they writing Cora? Do you know if they were, were they writing Cora, or they weren't planning on doing Cora right away, like after Avatar ended. So this, but they, I'm sure they must have had some determination that like, you know, maybe when they were writing this, I wonder, um, Hey, you know, like the conversation we're having, Hey, you know, if Liu Wei dies, there's no heir, there's no successor. How are they mm-hmm. going to do that? And, yeah. And you know the thing is too is that and what I what I want to also bring up again consequences but also just impact because there are in total in Avatar: The Last Airbender eight characters to have been observed dying or being murdered. They are Yue, Tui, of course the the Moon Spirit, Chin the Conqueror, Jet, which of course as we know was a little you know unclear. <laughs> Um, Aang technically at the end of season two, Roku and Fang and Combustion Man. So you think about that. (laughs) You you, (laughs) Sparky, Sparky Boom Man. So if you think about that, like out of all of those characters, of course, Aang comes back. So it's nothing that's permanent. And Roku's is a deeply, deeply emotional episode. Avatar and the Fire Lord is such an intense one. And, you know, again, it, when it shows that, and again, it's just, there's also something that kind of, uh, even though he dies, like we still see Roku. So, you know, there's more of that with Chin, the conqueror. He's just kind of such a minor character. We don't really get invested (laughs) Jet a little bit more. Yeah. But like the thing is, is like she is one of the few characters in this entire series that dies. Yeah, that's right. And (laughs) it's so beautiful in the way that she does in the way that they kind of crafted it. It's it's something that is just this incredibly tragic but beautiful sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, it's 
man, it, it, it's like they had, they had to just, I don't know. It's, I didn't even think about that. No, they don't show many. There's not meant much of that going on in the whole series. So when it happens, you know, it, especially if it's a character like that, that's turnkey and such a big part of the spirit world and the, you know, and the actual, the, the normal world, I guess, um, that it's, it's, it has to be something that really hits close to home mm-hmm. because both worlds are so interconnected and they're so tied that they had to give a character that felt right for both worlds. I mean, when you see her as a spirit, when she, and, and that being said, when she returns briefly, which I thought was cool in season three, when Angs thinks he's going to drown, mm-hmm. um, ocean and she just the moon shows up and there she is and it's not just the moon like she's there and she's pushing him like she just raises the tides and she raises her arms and i was like i had like a squee moment i was like oh yeah. she's, back. <laughs> she's, still and she's still there and you know and um she's very much when she said i'll always be with you she was very right she meant that she's literally there you know mm-hmm. so yeah, and of course, besides that moment, the other time that we do get to see UA, and actually the, um, is when uh, in the in book two in the swamp. Um, oh yeah, that's right. And uh, this is when you know Ang is you know having visions of Toph, but then Katara sees her mother, and then Sokka right. sees UA, and right. UA like says to him like, "You like you couldn't save me." Oh, that's his, it's, it, it, the swamp playing on their mm-hmm. guilt, their conscience. He, I, I'm sh- that's interesting. I totally forgot about that. So even though he was willing to let her go to do her duty, he's got, he, I know he still has issues. There was another episode where even though they did it comically, I don't know which one it was, maybe you do, where he's like, yeah, my girlfriend turned into the moon. <laughs> yeah, it's the I boiling rock. <laughs> that's rough, where, buddy. Where they're all like sharing their like sob stories and he's just like, yeah, my girlfriend turned into the moon. Well, it's 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 when uh, it's when him and uh, Zuko are on their uh, their field trip. Uh, they're like in the they're in, they're in the the blimp. And they're like moments. Yeah, and he's just like my girlfriend turned into a moon, and Zuko's just like that's rough, buddy. That's rough, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, that's I mean, like, it, that's a nod to the fans too. Oh, they for sure. That- yeah, <laughs> but you know, and the thing is, with like in the swamp when she shows up, that it's also that's pretty soon after still, um, you know, the end of book one, and it's just like he's still dealing with that. But the thing is, is like during times of war, and when you have like so much stuff that you have to do, it's mm-hmm. like you you don't have time to to really grapple with those emotions properly. I no. mean, it's just like you you just you have to keep moving forward. And I mean, you think about the timetable that they're on. Aang has to learn all four elements before the summers, uh, you know, before the so summers. They're end. even more rushed. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, the last we kind of, uh, you know, with UA's mention and everything, uh, the bay off the coast of Republic City is named UA Bay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They don't forget that again, they're, they're going for it. They don't, they don't miss a beat. Yeah. It's like perfect. But, but yeah. you know, because you know, Sokka was like, you know, on the council of Republic city. Cool. It's just like, you know, that he was just like, look, I know what we're going to name this. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I kind of want to wrap things up. Um, and just, uh, I don't know any last kind of final thoughts on UA, um, you know, just given our discussion and just, uh, 
kind of everything uh, revisiting it? I will say this is that I've never seen a princess so likable and so well-developed in, what, 20 minutes or less, rather? Um, it's like, you know, you watch movies about princesses and it's such a time for, like, strong female characters. And I'm like, back when this came out, it was like they had a small window and they gave her this just she's an unforgettable character. Mm-hmm. She's just, I, I mean, like I, I talk about role models in that sense of just being not even so much as being like dutiful, but more about like being like understanding who you are and what you're and, and strong willed and just, you know, um, uh, mature. And it's, uh, it kind of puts you in your place. You know, with we, she just, these are kids, all of them really growing up in a very harsh time in war times and, how fastly they're forced to grow up. She's like, she's this, like I said, she's still a princess in one environment and she gets it. She's so connected. She's so um, self-aware. Very rare to find not only, I mean, in a 16 year old, but some adults I even know. I'm still struggling. (laughs) So that's, I just, I love her and I'm, so glad that like she had some continuity throughout the rest of the series and then also in Cora as well just having that reminder that there's something they haven't forgotten her mm. um that's just everybody's just nodding to that i think that's really great so yeah that's she's she's awesome i'm really glad you wanted to do an episode about her for <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know i just to echo your points i mean yeah it's it's incredible what they did in such a short amount of time um, for her character. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it, again, it just, it shows their storytelling chops and their writing chops. And uh, I mean, she, like you said, she's an unforgettable character and mm-hmm. I, it's just so impactful with it, it. Not only that, but it's also, it's like, I, I have so much respect for the fact that, um, we get to see this character who sacrifices herself like this, and it is very much a it, it's it's a character trope that is m- much more common in uh, I would say East Asian literature and uh, mythology and, and and not as much especially like not only just in like in Western literature but especially like Western animation like it just yeah. does not happen. There is always like you know oh well it's okay or you know if it is unclear like maybe they will go there (laughs) but you know i don't know it's just i i i love that they really kind of pulled from this kind of it just it feels very much like a traditional story and it actually reminded me of um uh it was a studio ghibli film that came out a couple years ago uh, they worked on for a while, and it was the uh, the tale of Princess Kaguya. I have not seen that one. Oh, it is so beautiful, okay. and it's actually it's based off of like. If you haven't seen it, we need everybody to go watch this because yes. we're going to talk about it. So, uh, I because I don't want to give away anything, but there is like there are a lot of similarities um, okay. to what kind of happens there and what happens with UA, and it is one of the oldest kind of mythological like stories in Japan. And it, it, the thing is, is like when you see a lot of these like um, mythologies that kind of start to cross over and bleed over and have similarities, it's because there it's like a, there is this sense of like duty and sacrifice that yeah. is present, especially in East Asian culture that just, 
to be frank, just isn't nearly as present in Western society. Um, you know, this, uh, this kind of idea of duty and loyalty, um, it's there in some respects, but it just, I think in a much deeper level in East Asian culture. Um, Right. That's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And I like that they and Mike and Brian do this so well is that they not only they if they incorporate that and teach teach us about that sort of thing, but also and also add some weight to that. It's not just about um, that's why they I like that they incorporated uh, a love story and a family story mm. and some emotion because it's I mean, sacrifices is, is the especially sacrificing one's life and oneself is the biggest thing you could possibly do. And it's like, uh, um, in, in UA's case, especially for the, the, the cause that she was doing it for, um, again, she wasn't a warrior, you know, it's not mm. the same thing. However, this was a bigger, a bigger scale than just saving her family and saving the water tribe. It was, it was like, Oh, I, I, this is going to infect, affect the entire world and the spiritual world, both, the spirit world and the non-spirit world. And it was like, I like that it gave it more um, weight mm. to do that, to, to make it. Cause if it was just somebody who was coming in saying like, she was this beautiful character and just like, I'm just going to do this. And for everybody else, it doesn't have the same kind of weight. She's, you had to get her to know her as a human being uh, first and as a girl. Um, mm. Yeah. Really going on a date and, and experiencing these new things. That's what made it even kind of more sad is that she's still very young and you know uh, um and it, it really had it had more that much more of an impact i think mike and brian so they used almost a cross combination of arguably cultures to 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 do that that kind of thing and, and mixed it really well and, and kind of showcased it in their way and told it in their way and i just thought that i think that's so brilliant mm. it was so cool you see you see elements of that in princess mononoke too and a lot yeah. of i mean there's so much um, that's a whole other tangent, but <laughs> the spirits in that and, um, you know, and San's actually a, a warrior, you know, but, um, the sacrifice of the, the wolves and, and everything that goes on in that it's, 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 it's very much what you're saying, you know, mm. and it has a lot of heart to it. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Well, that was all well put. Um, I, I think that's a great note to end on. Um, I mean, uh, but yeah, uh, so Casey, thank you so much again for uh, joining me for this discussion. This has been super delightful. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, and I have so many ideas now because I'm like, we gotta do a villain. We gotta do a Zhao. One. Yes. Oh I no, think trust me. Might agree with that. I, I I think doing a villain, at least a villain discussion, we could generalize it too. But um, hey, it would probably be like I'm four hours long though. <laughs> They're so interesting. My, I want to throw this out there. I know this is kind of weird and, and segue. My niece is going to be four in February. She loves princesses. Okay, so I'm actually excited to show her Avatar. I think she's a little young right now, but I, I'm excited to show her Avatar and show her UA and all that. And she'll, I know she'll love Katara, but she loves the villains in all the Disney movies. So, <laughs> yeah. She loves the princesses, but she loves the villains almost more. Like she, she, she understands that they're, I mean, a lot of times they're funny, but they're just interesting as characters. And she's really into that. It's very funny. She'll just look at me and go, oh, he's so bad. And it's just, I mean, how can you, how can you love Ariel more than Ursula? I mean, Ursula is truly like the, the gem of Little Mermaid. (laughs) 
I say this, you can choose to edit this, but Ursula was based on a drag queen. That oh yeah, yeah, divine, absolutely. But, um, she's a fan. She scared. She scared me, but she was incredibly interesting. You want to yeah. know about their history because they always allude to this in any sort of even even animated films, whether it's Western or Eastern, where it's like there's always a history with villains. I think that's what really interests me about that. Even if we're playing like a video game, like something like Dark Souls, um, I did come, <laughs> my boyfriend's going to laugh at me for this, but I always feel for the villains. I feel like they have some backstory to them where they got screwed mm -hmm. and they became this way. And that makes them interesting. So Absolutely. we're following the heroes. So I just want to pitch that as a, as a going off a really very, Oh, positive, princess wonderful character it's like let's do one about the bad guys next because so <laughs> for good. sure for sure and yeah you know and again uh thank you all to the listeners um for yeah. again listening in tuning in subscribing um and yeah if you have uh, thoughts of what you'd like to hear us discuss next um yeah please reach out to us uh, we have an email uh legend of portalcast at gmail.com you can also reach out to us uh, on Facebook at Legend of Portalcast, uh, on Instagram at Legend of Portalcast, and on Twitter at Portalcast Pod. Um, you can also visit our website, contact us, and find the episodes there at LegendofPortalcast.com. Um, but yeah, uh, again, we're going to be, uh, again, we're uh, starting out uh, 2019 right. Uh, thank you so much again for uh, listening in for uh, our first episode of 2019. Woo! Woo! Uh, and uh, yeah, we're excited to keep bringing you more. And again, if you want to hear, have any ideas what you'd like to talk about next time or have any questions or follow-up things uh, on what we discuss, please send it in. Um, but for now, let us leave. <laughs>